But the Lord loves you and wants you to be his. So, um, I don't know if you've ever studied film or not, but one of the devices that is used in film is a dream sequence. It's like a kind of a fuzzy thing that's happening, and it seems to foreshadow what's going to happen later on in the story, or, or maybe it gives background to a character and their backstory. If you're a, a real film buff, uh, you might refer to the 1941 movie Citizen Kane with Orson Welles where he said, Rosebud. And if anyone knows that reference, my hat's off to you and let's talk afterward. But maybe more popular might be the 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker is now on the, the planet of Dagobah training under the Jedi Master Yoda. And he enters a cave and suddenly is faced with his arch-nemesis, Darth Vader. And they have a saber duel. And Luke vanquishes Vader. He's lying there on the ground. And as he walks up, he's horrified to see that out of Darth Vader's ominous mask, his own face is there. And this is a foreshadowing of Luke's origin story. And if you don't know the story, well, I'm not going to tell you. But face Vader, you will. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll be here at the end. Something like this takes place in the book of Genesis, actually. We meet a man named Jacob. He's the grandson of the father of faith, Abraham, and the son of Isaac, the child of faith. But he's on the run now because he is, well, in all truth, he has swindled his brother out of the birthright. And so he's on his way to go meet his uncle Laban. But he lays down to sleep with a rock for a pillow, and he has a dream. And this is what happens in Genesis chapter 28. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord. The God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, literally through your seed. And I, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Now this may just seem like a reassuring encounter with God, His presence 
indicating his presence and protection of Jacob, that he'll be with him wherever he goes. And, and that is true. But in truth, this is really a foreshadowing of what God plans to do in bringing his kingdom, bringing heaven to earth, invading through someone who will indeed be Abraham's or Jacob's seed, who will bless all nations. Last week, we are in the Gospel of John. If you want to open up your Bible, we'll be there today in, in John chapter 1. But we saw, we started a series called Come and See. And we saw John the Baptist, who is Jesus Herald, the one who goes before announcing Messiah. Or in more modern, modern terms, he's Jesus Hype Man. And he points to Jesus when he sees him, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Indeed, that's what we need. A Savior who's going to deal with our sin. And we're going to see that again today as Jesus will call His initial disciples, His first followers. And they're going to come and see the One who sees us. They're going to come and see the One who brings heaven to earth and he's, they are going to see the one of whom we need to tell others about. So that's where we'll be today in this Come and See series on today's message. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dig into what God has for us. Lord Jesus, again, we are grateful that you came to seek and save the lost, and that is us. Would you open our eyes to come and see who you are once again, and then give us a heart to make your goodness your salvation, Lord, all that you are known to those around us. Because we need you and our world desperately needs you. So do your work in us as we look into your word today. I ask this in your name. Amen. Again, going back to the passage that was read. The next day John was there with two of his disciples. And when they saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went with him and saw where he was staying, and they sent and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So again, kind of taking off from what we looked at last week, we need to come and see the Lamb of God. John himself knows he is not the Messiah. He's the one who points to him. And so as he sees Jesus the next day, he's got a couple of his disciples there. He says, look, the Lamb of God. And perhaps... Andrew and the other disciple didn't really fully understand what John was saying, but they knew that he was saying, hey guys, this is the guy I've been talking about. You should probably go after him. You should probably follow him. And so they do. And he turns around and says, what do you want? And Jesus says, come and see. And they spent the day together till about 4 p.m. And Andrew, who will become one of these 12 disciples that will follow Jesus, he's ready to go tell somebody. He's the kind of guy that when he has experienced something good from God, he wants to go and share it. 
But Andrew will also witness what it will mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in a very graphic way. He will experience the sober revelation of seeing his rabbi on a cross as he takes away the sin of the world as the sinless Lamb of God to make atonement for our sin before a holy God. This Messiah could have come and thrown out the Romans, but that would have left unaddressed the sin that is within even the people of God. This is what makes Jesus the effective Messiah. He bridges that gap between a holy God and sinful mankind with Himself. He is the Messiah who conquers the enemy within before He addresses any enemies of an external nature. And so Andrew, indeed, he's been with Him. He spends till about 4 o'clock in the afternoon with him, and he's got to go tell somebody. And the person he needs to tell is his brother, Simon. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter, or is Peter. Come and see the one who sees you. Again, Andrew, the the name means man, actually. So if you know someone whose name is Andrew, you can say, you're the man, Andrew. Thank you very much. But here's the thing. He brings him to Simon, whose name is probably Simeon in in a Hebrew context. And he is convinced that this is the Messiah. And Jesus, interestingly enough, not only says, hey, you're Simon, son of John, but I'm going to give you a nickname, even though we've just met. It's going to be Cephas, which is an Aramaic word for Peter. Now understand that this gospel, the gospel of John, is written to people who are probably Greek speakers. John is, is, is translating along the way. Rabbi, which means teacher. Cephas, which is going to mean Peter. But Jesus doesn't just see Peter for who he is or his lineage, but he sees him for all that he's going to make him and call him to be. You see, Simon will end up becoming really the leader of the 12 men that will follow Jesus. He'll be the core leader. And when he ascends into heaven, it's Peter who is the spokesperson for what God is doing in sending the Holy Spirit and even in dealing with opposition from the Sanhedrin. Simon Peter is really that rock-like figure that kind of holds things together as a glue guy. But he's not flawless, as we know the story, right? And even in Jesus' ministry... He asked Peter, who do people say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus congratulates him. And then he tells him, and I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and the leaders are going to reject me, arrest me, and I'm going to be killed and put on the cross. And then Peter says, no, 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 no. 
you, you don't understand Jesus. That's not what the Messiah does. That'll never happen to you. And, and Jesus turns around and says, look, get out of my way, Satan. That's pretty, that's pretty harsh language, isn't it? But you don't have the things of God in mind. You have the things of men in mind. He gets rebuked because he doesn't understand what Jesus has come to do yet, even. And later on, he fails miserably because he tells them, some of you are going to deny me. And Peter says, hey, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. He says, Simon, I tell you the truth, you're going to deny me three times. No way. But it happens. Jesus is arrested. He tries to follow him. And then when someone says, surely you're one of his followers, he says, I, I, I don't know the man. I, and at a certain point, he even calls down curses on his head. So certainly, Simon Peter was not without fault. But Jesus names him Cephas or Peter, knowing all that he would be in him. See, Jesus is the one who sees us for all that we can be in him. Left to our own earthly lineages, left to our own resources, yeah, we're going to fail, we're going to crash and burn, and we're not going to be in great shape. But in him, he does in us more than we can ask or imagine. Simon on his own, he's an impulsive fisherman. But in Christ, he is that rock-like character that holds things together. And God uses him to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. What might Jesus call you today to do if he's allowed to have his way in your life? What is the nickname he wants to give you? Well, let's continue on, because the story, we meet some other disciples here. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and find Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now, I want to take a quick time out, and I want to do a little Bible nerding on you right here. Okay? This verse, translated literally, and the NASB does a good job of this, says, the next day, he, it doesn't tell us who he is, but the next day he decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and the next clause says, and Jesus said to him, follow me. I think a case can be made for, it wasn't Jesus that went to Galilee. It was, it was Andrew that says, Jesus, come up to Galilee. I've got somebody for you to meet. His name is Philip. It's not as though Jesus didn't know what was going to happen. He is God in the flesh. But it's Andrew who says, I, I've, I've, you've met my brother Simon, and now you need to meet this guy Philip. Because I know he's looking for the Messiah. And that might be true. I could be wrong. I could be right. But it seems to fit the pattern of how things go in this passage. But let's continue on in verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one who Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? 
Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. We meet Nathaniel, and he's kind of a tell-it-like-it-is kind of guy, or at least he'll tell you how he sees it. He's probably not the guy you want to come to if you're looking for encouragement when things are going badly. He'll just tell you, yeah, things stink, don't they? But if you're looking for someone who's not going to give you uh, false compliments or flattery, he, he'll, he's a straight shooter. He'll tell you the truth. That's who Nathaniel is. So when Philip tells him that we found this, the one who Moses wrote about, the prophet, the Messiah, Nathaniel mocks. Nazareth? <laughs> Nazareth? I, I've been to Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But Jesus takes Nathaniel's plain spokenness as a strength. And he, he greets him in verse 47. Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. It takes Nathaniel off guard. Wait, who, how, how do you know who I am? How, how do you know how I operate? And Jesus goes on to say, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So Nathanael changes his tune when he realized that somehow Jesus knows him. He even saw him under the fig tree, something Maybe Nathaniel was hanging out there contemplating something before Philip comes to him. But he has seen him. And there's no ring camera or blink camera there to record that. Jesus just knows this. But what Jesus is really telling Nathaniel, and he's telling us, is he can use us for whom he has made us, both our strengths and our weaknesses. Now, Nathaniel will probably not be, ever be Mr. Sunshine Optimist. But he can be a person that can tell you the truth. Who will be straight with you. Who will give you an honest answer. More so, no matter who you are. No matter how you're wired. No matter your background. No matter your life situation. Jesus is the one who sees you. It's much like what happened to the slave girl Hagar, who was caused to be a surrogate parent for Abraham and Sarah. And she runs away because she's being abused. And the angel of God comes to her and sees her and says, where are you going, Hagar? I have a plan for you. I have a plan to use you, and I have a plan to use the child that you carry. God sees each one of us and wants to employ us for who He has made us. Not looking around at what she has or he has, but who He has made you. He wants to employ us and use us for His kingdom and His glory. Here's the question. 
ask the question, how does God want to use me and how he's naturally wired me? But even more so, Jesus now gives Nathaniel a greater vision for all that Jesus is inviting him into. Verse 50. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Come and see the one who brings heaven to earth. Again, Jesus is alluding to the dream that the patriarch Jacob had of these ascending and descending angels on this ladder or this stairway from heaven to earth. It was a foreshadowing of what Jesus, who is the true seed or descendant of Jacob, and also the true Son of God, what He will bring, what He will usher in to this earth, on this earth. And Nathaniel and the other disciples will have a front row seat to see what God in the flesh is doing in bringing his kingdom. In watching his earthly ministry, in dealing with people, and living out perfect obedience before the Father. His death on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His resurrection to show his victory over sin and death. And his ascension back into heaven with angels announcing as he returns, he's going to come back to earth the very same way. Again, at this point in the story, Nathaniel or the other disciples, they don't fully understand this. But this is where it's going. And Jesus is saying, this is what you're going to see. But their newly discovered rabbi, their Messiah, is pointing to the change that God is bringing on earth that's going to change all of history and all of eternity and bring the kingdom of God and bless all nations. You and me. I don't know how many of us have Jewish descent in here? Probably very few of us. But this is a promise to us that we would be blessed through Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Jacob, bringing heaven to earth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Yes. Yes. Because it is the sinless Son of God who comes to bring the kingdom of God. So the last thing I want to ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're his disciple, who are you inviting to come and see that Jesus, that Messiah? Did you see the pattern in all this passage? John says to Andrew, look, the Lamb of God, go follow him. And Andrew says, we found the Messiah to Peter and brings him to Jesus. And I also believe that he brings Jesus to Philip. And then Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus. Who do you have that natural connection with? Whether it's work or background or social circles, but that they can see Jesus for all that he is all that he wants to do. And maybe you're saying, oh, I don't know, Pastor. I'm not really sure. Then start praying for that. 
Start praying for who you can bring the message of the Christ to. Because it is the gospel, folks. It really is good news. It's going to change their lives now and forever. I mean, if we don't believe that, let's go do something else. Let's go, let's go enjoy the day. But if He is who He says He is, then we have good news that's going to change people's lives forever. So say, Lord, who do you want me to bring this good news to? Who do you want me to start asking questions about what they think about who you are, Lord Jesus? That'd be a great place to start. Who do you think Jesus is? And just start having a conversation there. And then maybe from there, start telling your story about how Jesus has changed your life. And how He's affected you and changed how you're living and what what you're living for. And you know what? This series is going someplace. On Easter Sunday, we're going to have an outreach. It'll be an opportunity to invite somebody. So be praying, Lord, who would you have me invite to hear about the message of the resurrection and how it's changed all of history? But, are we going to be like Andrew? Are we going to be like Philip? And say, come and see. Come and see the man who changed me. And some people may give you the Jesus from Nazareth. Yeah, Jesus from Nazareth. So be thinking about that. Come and see. Come and see the Lamb of God who changes all of history. Come and see the Lamb of God who sees us for who we are and wants to use us warts and all. Come and see the one who wants to change people's eternal destiny. Let me pray, and Pat, will you and the worship team come and lead us in worship here? Lord, we're grateful for this word from your word, and we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to see you for who you truly are, and we want to be faithful to make that good news known. So thank you for men you entrusted this gospel to, to a Peter, to an Andrew, to a Philip, to a Nathaniel, and to many others who have been faithful in sharing this message through the decades, through the centuries, and for whom we have been blessed to now be the children of the living God. Because you sent your Son, Father. We say thank you. So do in us what we cannot do ourselves and do more than we can ever ask or imagine as we trust you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name I pray these things. Amen.